Cock and Bull Podcast, a weekly comedy and history podcast where my older brother and I discuss true stories with unbelievable characters. Nathan, we took a week off, and we, we should did. apologize. We did, and God damn it, I wish we had a good... No, we have the best excuse. Do you hear that, guys? Hold on. Hold on. Listen. Listen real close. Hmm? Can you hear the sounds of leather in the background? The rich, rich Corinthian leather? It's probably not from Corinthian. It's probably from Walmart. I don't know. I found a free big giant goofy leather chair on the side of the road. Uh, and the pod cave is now 800 times more luxurious, guys. I'm recording you, this supine. It's amazing. You bougie fuck. Just it is so Looking down nice. from your high horse on us podcasters. <laughs> Yeah, you get one you get one almost sponsorship and all of a sudden you're buying leather chairs. You're reclining. Oh, the pod cave is a much more luxurious place to be, people. That's all I'm saying. It Listen, is we've been enjoying a little bit it's, less rapey. The close of this summer has been just a, a real success story for us in our podcasting ventures, and there's there's more talk of that towards the end of the episode, but truly it's going to Nathan's head. And I think oh, we're gonna really my, hear oh, that. So this much week. so. So much so. I'm turning into J. Jonah Jameson of podcasting over here, just yelling at people. Give me pictures of the Spider-Man and podcast. I need to inject a little bit of tragedy into Nathan's veins. Nathan, 1919. Oh, fuck. Oh, God. This is not a good time in the world. Nothing good was happening at the beginning of the 20th century. Big fat Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, even worse. The, e- even worse. Mm-hmm. The Purity Distilling Company has been bought up by a new owner just two years prior, and they were hard at work distilling molasses. Wait, wait, huh? Well, hold, hold on. I heard distilling yeah. company, and I thought we were going to get talking about booze, and now you're telling me about, I don't know, the thing I put on my rolls? Mm, yeah. You'll be, you'll be surprised with this series. You might learn something. Pay attention. Now, this is 1919. Roughly exactly a year prior, the House and Senate just passed a resolution to introduce the 18th Amendment. Hey! I remember that one. Is that the one that said, uh, uh we can't drink? Yeah, yeah. Prohibition. If you're not American, yeah. or if you... If you just were were on amphetamines throughout all of American history, um, there was a time where America banned alcohol and everything went perfectly. It went so good, guys. There were absolutely no issues. <laughs> Prohibition is a very, very, very good way to go about making a drug policy in this country. Oh, my God. And honestly, I think 60 years later, when we tried it again on the old Mary Jane, it worked out just as well. So, it's going great. It's going great. The, so this is still 1919. Uh, the American legislature is ungodly slow because something something checks and balances. Um, wait, 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 but wait, make wait, no wait, mis- wait, wait. As opposed what? to the uh-huh. lightning quick speed that it moves at today, the breakneck speed of of legislation getting but no, 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 they're still slow. Oh, do, don't get me wrong. It, it, we haven't changed. We're still very slow when it comes to legislation. But I'm just saying. I mean, that's kind of a side effect of not being a dramatically authoritarian country. Eh. Can't just. Can't just kind of, you know, slam your fist and uh, uh, make eh. the booze go away. You say that. But make no mistake, the world knew it was about to become a federal law real soon. In fact, they were about nine months out from the Volstead Act passing, and, you know, the 18th Amendment would finally go into effect in, well, 1920. Again, laws are slow. But this one was very much like a kid being dragged by his ankles at bedtime. I don't think anyone in Congress is actually thrilled about passing Prohibition. No, 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 no. Because the kind of people that wanted you to pass Prohibition were the same joyless fucks that are trying to keep you from, like, 
I don't know, getting healthcare now or, or, you know, maybe fucking fixing our education system. Those same joyless fun suckers that really just want you to suffer and think that, that that's the, you know, joy of life. They're the ones that pass prohibition. <laughs> Nobody liked them. But back in Boston, the Purity Distilling Company was doubling production speed. They handled molasses, like I said, but they weren't making syrup or candy or anything like that. They were an ethanol producer. Oh. Oh, so we're making boozy molasses? Well, apparently you can distill molasses into ethanol and make booze out of that. Their buyer in 1917 was none other than the U.S. Industrial Alcohol Company. (laughs) Wait, that was a thing? That was a thing. So they knew something was about to bring the hammer down on booze, and they started speeding up to sell all the liquor they could before time ran out. Which is where we get to the morning of January 15th, 1919. Ten cent beer day. Is it ten cent beer day? <laughs> it was it was not ten cent beer was day. Was it nickel shot uh, was it nickel shot night at O'Halligan's? Over the past week, temperatures had risen dramatically from below freezing to up to forty, you know, plus forty degrees. <laughs> A balmy or, forty degrees. Or four degrees Celsius. But for Boston in January, I mean people are wearing tank tops and like putting on sunscreen. At that oh rate. yeah, no, that's a good point. No, that's a good point. Yeah, in Boston, that's 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 a balmy Boston morning. <laughs> so the station in North End Boston had a big old tank, like fifty feet tall, ninety feet in diameter. I'm talking, it's like it's like a water tower, you know, big okay. stationary okay. fat tower. So you so you in that kind of tank? I was just imagining like a Panzer in the middle of Boston Commons, and I was very <laughs> concerned for a moment. <laughs> uh, and and again, it's it's like a giant water tower, but but for molasses. So the guys you know, shirtless, sweating in this 40-degree heat, are working on transferring this giant tank's contents uh, over to another molasses distilling plant in Cambridge. But around 12.30, nearby witnesses in North End, Boston, reported a massive roar and a (laughs) thunder-like clap. Oh, no. (laughs) And they also swore they heard machine gun fire. (laughs) What the fuck? Up Commercial Street, at the plant, Something terrible had just happened. Did, did they the spill rise, the booze? <laughs> with the rise in temperature, shitty handiwork, and a sudden lift in pressure, the mighty molasses tank had just buckled. Oh my god. Is there literally booze just like flooding down the streets like like that like the elevator scene in The Shining? Like is that happening Not, right now? <laughs> well, the rivets that held it up were fired out one by one from all the pressure, creating the sound of machine guns. And out from the Purity Dispilling Company came 2.3 million gallons of molasses. Oh my god. Have we established whether or not this is alcoholic molasses? Can the Boston people get... I mean, it's it's Boston. They'll find a way to get drunk off it. But are they they actually getting... Like, is there just alcohol running in the streets? It's sugary sweet molasses right now. No booze yet. Oh... And you might be saying 2.3 million gallons, that's a big number, but I don't know how much that is. Well, let me tell you, the wave, which headed down Commercial Street, was 25 feet high. Yeah! Yeah, like, for context, and- I filled up a swimming pool last weekend. That was 11,000 gallons. And that was mm-hmm. that amount of water took, like, a day to get in there. I, 20, 2.3 million, oh my god, that is a... That is a 
the big bucket down at Raging Rivers pouring over on your head. That's that's a spicy meatball. Hey, welcome to local St. Louis water park references. Uh, that it's cool is, when it's hot. It's cool when it's hot. Oh, man, it's our action park. That's our, that's the closest we're ever going to get kind to action is, park. It kind of is, yeah. Now, it was also moving at 35 miles an hour. Good Lord! What the for fuck? Sur- that is fast. That is fast uh, for Comparatively, syrup. yes, because I'm pretty sure in 1919, cars didn't go 35 miles an hour. I mean, you've heard the phrase molasses moving on a, on a summer Tuesday. Get ready for molasses on a January Wednesday because it's Hold coming on at now. full force. Hold on now. No one. Pause. Spencer, we grew up in the same household. We lived lived in the same areas. I know you went to Kirksville for a hot second. You, and unless they yeah, coined uh-huh. the phrase molasses on a Tuesday morning. No one's ever said that. Ever. Nathan, did you not did you not hang out in the same cliques as I did? Because I hung out, you know, out out back behind the bleachers with antebellum gentlemen. Uh, Apparently, I've heard yeah, slow took- as molasses. I've heard slow as molasses. That's a common uh-huh. phrase. But mm-hmm. but but this like Mark Twain, oh ye timey molasses on a Tuesday morning, golly gee Willikers nonsense is no no. That's actually what we called our our best buddy in that clip. We called him Mark Twain. It was a fun nickname. Yeah, we mm. used to wear our white suits and our, our little black ties. And God, uh, we have got to bring all white suits back. It need it's only the <laughs> Colonel and Mark Twain are the only two that have ever been. And Rick Pitino, like once a year before he hired prostitutes, like uh, but, like only those guys. Like, we need to get it back in the mainstream. Okay, so, uh, barring the fact that I said moving like molasses on a summer Tuesday, that wave crushed down the road. First, sweeping up numerous houses right off their foundations. <laughs> oh, fuck, what? Like, you know those State Farm commercials with, uh, fucking, I don't know, what's J.K. Simmons? Yeah, that yeah. guy. Yeah, that motherfucker. And they're like, yep, we saw it, we covered that. Ain't no fucking Allstate State Farm bullshit agent ever. How do you molasses swept my house away? Oh, I'm sorry, you didn't buy coverage for that. What the fuck? What the fuck is that? Oh my god! Eight. Next, it went. It went straight towards an elevated transit rail. Like you know what I'm talking about? Like the like the L train the, in Chicago. Yeah. Not quite bringing it down, but buckling it and tipple like tipping over one of the train cars for just a second. <laughs> Can you imagine that on your morning commute? Like, mm, Miss Johnson, mm, yes, mm, heading, heading to the bank today. <laughs> my, oh, here we go. Oh, God, no! My, we've been swallowed by sugar! My fucking boss is never going to believe this. Never! Never going to believe this. I'm getting fired. I'm on. I, this is my third time late. He ain't ever going to believe hit by a tsunami of molasses. Telling me your train got swept up by a sweet, sugary flood? Bullshit, you're fired. <laughs> Look outside! Pack your shit, go home. The highways have cavities. It's awful. A truck actually was picked up by the wave and thrown into Boston Harbor. <laughs> Nearby debris was hurled from the wave. Strike Debris was thrown into citizens as they tried to escape. Slowly, I might add, because there's molasses because everywhere. Because they're covered in molasses. Because they're covered in molasses. Oh my All god. All Please tell me down. at some point. It needs to hit like a like there needs to be a truck carrying a thing of like chickens to slaughter and it gets hit by it and then everyone's tarred and feathered with molasses and chicken feathers and pandemoniums. Oh my god. There's a there's a nearby, you know, uh, a vendor who's selling, you know, he got the idea, he was in a European country. He's selling like like waffles out of this mobile stand. But he nobody seems to want to buy them, but the flood slaps over his booth. 
that's the thing he was missing. Syrup, he says. And that man's name was John Ego. (laughs) Eureka, if only we could make this racist. Hey, Mrs. Butterworth, get over here. (laughs) All of this coming down on what would be known as the Great Molasses Flood of 1919. Wow, we always have sucked at naming things, haven't we? Shit. Pretty on the nose. Stephen Polio from the Boston Globe described the aftermath. This is this is his first crack case. He's there. <laughs> it's like some people. Got, it's 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 almost fitting that we're recording this on 9/11. Like some people are making their editorial yeah. chops, like in the disaster, and they'll just these guys trying to trying to pick up the pieces with just everything covered in sugar and slightly sticky. God damn! Just everyone's running away, but Stephen Polio rolls up his slacks. <laughs> pulls out his notebook and he goes running into the flood. Oh my god. He's like Ben Affleck in that bad, bad Batman vs. Superman movie where he's just running towards the disaster. Jesus Christ, it's a goddamn war zone in here. <laughs> Everyone's sticky. I need Waste 20 deep. cc's of insulin. Oh my god. This is pandemonium. <laughs> the blood Waste sugar. deep. Waste deep. Two to three feet of molasses covered northern downtown Boston. Molasses swirled and bubbled around cluttered debris and struggling people, animals. Horses were actually, like, caught in this stuff like flypaper and died. Well, Um, yeah! I mean, I've seen the tar pit scene in A NeverEnding Story. (laughs) Oh, no, Ajay. I know how the swamp of sadness goes. Oh, no. Men and women and children struggled in the molasses, and the more they wriggled, the further they were engulfed, some suffocating in it. It's quicksand. (laughs) It's, it's as close quicksand. as you get to quicksand in America. Yeah. In you've urban never, America, it's as close. You've never, ever, ever had a... Like, your entire life, you're afraid of quicksand, and you never have a reason to be, but you're terrified of it. And you're like, get to adulthood, and you're like, well, I'm never going to do it. And then this is how you die. You are you are attacked by liquid, sugary quicksand. One boy, young Anthony Distasio, was walking home from school <laughs> with his sisters... <laughs> At 12.30 in the afternoon, because, of, I don't know, they're, they're delinquents, it sounds like. <laughs> now, the wave swept out from behind them, carrying them up to its crest like they were in a goddamn surfer flick. I was about to say, like they're on rocket power, just ride the wave! <laughs> and hurling them to the ground in a tumble. Distasio's mother rushed out to the sea of goop like he was just 10 feet from home. And she was like, ah, oh, there's my boys. And then the wave comes around the corner. Oh, no. <laughs> and she goes running out trying to find her boy. She's screaming, Anthony, where are you? But he can't reply because his throat is clogged with molasses. He, <laughs> oh, my God, he this blacks is not out. funny, but it's so funny. He blacks out. And he comes to, surrounded by his sisters and his mother, and air sweeter than any candy shop he'd ever been in. I'm assuming this is how Stephen Pulio's story went. Now, <laughs> the, fir- the first to arrive on the scene were 116 cadets from the USS Nantucket because this is right next to a naval docking yard. Also, who the fuck do you call in this situation? Like, it's like the fire department's like, no, that ain't our shit. Uh-uh, no, mm-mm, not in our description. No. What do you fucking call for molasses cleanup? God, the, well, the fire department can't... Like, Willy Wonka is not on call. Unless, they, unless they've got hot water in those trucks, they're not gonna... That stuff's just gonna get caked and harder. I God, just no, imagine... The fire department just, can't touch it. Just imagine a sea of Oompa Loompas, like, descending on Boston Common, just like, ah! Now, soon the Red Cross was there, helping pull survivors out from the Sea of Sticky. <laughs> oh my God. It's just oh God. 
so fucking dumb how tragic I, this was. I guess I guess we're gonna have to rebuild. I, I don't know. I, our insurance went up. We're in a molasses floodplain now. I don't I don't know. Prices are getting a little hard around here. God damn! Like I've spilled I've spilled syrup on like the kitchen counter before and just thought, no, this is fucked. This is irreparable. Burn I can't the house imagine. Down. Burn the house imagine down. The, imagine the goddamn city. It's is just, this how there's, you, do you want ants? Because this is how you get ants. Oh no! Well, thank God it's January. Just that you've got to be telling yourself, thank God it's January. Gi- yes, because if there's one thing that will make cleaning up the molasses easier, it's the cold. Well, listen, I don't want a goddamn bug's life happening while I'm trying to clean up three feet of molasses. Well, uh, and honestly, it'll insulate them, so they're going to live under the molasses. The ants are coming. The ants are coming. They're coming. Two by two. Hurrah. Hurrah. In 2014, a new study was done and found that the steel used on that tank was about half as thick as it should have been. What the fuck are we doing? All right, guys. That's such a dramatic margin. I lived in 2014. Life was not that good that we could be that bored that we're like, oh, let's put some research dollars into figuring out whether that steel was good or not. Fuck, come on, guys. Who's do? Who's paying for this? I'm telling you, big syrup is paying for it. We don't. This can never happen again. Never uh, I, again. Because never we're not forgive, storing syrup never in forget. giant 2.3 million gallon tubs anymore. We outsourced it to <laughs> the Canadians. Nathan, who was president in 1919? Uh, who was that? Woodrow Wilson or Calvin Coolidge, I'd have to say. Just sta- standing out there in their windbreaker on the rubble. Just, th- you know what? Today, this was an attack on freedom. I very much believe that. And now I have to know. Woodrow Wilson for the win. History. Woo! God damn. Ah, you're ah, so good. You're so good. 21 people died as a result of the Great Molasses Flood. Oh Tw- my God. Two of which were 10-year-old children, one of which was a 76-year-old man who made it that far in life and got snuffed out by syrup. Honestly, though, if you make it to 76 in 1919, World War One's right just staring you down the tits. I mean, World War II's coming around the... Honestly, at that point, fuck it. Yeah, if I covered in molasses, like other than strippers and blow, that's about as good a way as you're going to go out at that point. <laughs> he was also, he wasn't even retired. I mean, I know for a, he was a messenger. He was a mailman. He was just what? trying to get his next package out. At, it's 76? <laughs> what? Are we, oh, no, come on. Now you need the sprightly young folks for the mail delivery at that at that time. This, this man was wiry. This man was fast, but not fast enough. You're a boy, he could Blue. not outrun 35 mile per hour wall of syrup coming at him. Jesus no, I mean, Christ! If, honestly, are... if I see that, if I see that coming, like my brain just turns off at that point. There's no like your fight or flight <laughs> instinct is up. like ev- evolutionarily you're prepared for certain things. Walking down a city street, a tsunami of syrup is not one of the things your brain is ready to do. That's just control alt F four brain shutdown restart Windows noise. <laughs> it's over. We're done. I'm done. I'm done. I am cashing out. 150 people on top of that were injured. 21 (laughs) killed, 150 injured. Oh, uh, 1.2 million new cases of diabetes overnight. I still, to this day, have no idea how they actually cleaned all of that up. Seriously? I have no idea. What? No, no, no. I uh, No, I remember. I remember. It took six months. I remember reading it took six months before it was all gone. Boston to the ground and start over. 
this is how you get your new Boston, all right? This Seriously. Out with, the, out with the old, build something on top of it, raise it, do what you gotta but do. Salt the earth, just go one story higher, just like Futurama, new, new New York. Just, no. <laughs> Bury it and start over again. This Each this one victims. belongs to... This one belongs to the ants now, boys. <laughs> this is ant turf now. The if the victims or their families, um, if they died, uh, received $7,000 in compensation from class action lawsuits. And when all was said and done, the U.S. alcohol company ultimately paid $600,000 in out-of-court settlements. Which, for back in the back in the old 1919s, a lot of fucking money. <laughs> Probably, probably a lot of money. Probably still not enough money, though, for murdering people with syrup. Uh, yeah, not enough. I don't, I don't think there's any. Did the American Alcohol Company like continue to exist? Like, I, why is this not a thing that I know about? That we have like an American booze company. I can't listen. I can't say it with any certainty. Uh, but all I know is when you Google it, doesn't. Oh, there it is. There it is. When did it? <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, oh, here's here's what you gotta know. The United States Industrial Alcohol Company was an alcohol distiller in the United States. In 1919, they were responsible for the Boston molasses disaster, and <laughs> 125 lawsuits were filed against them. That's there you go. That's okay. all you need to know, apparently. Okay. They, they they and this is why we left it to Jack Daniels, ladies and gentlemen, because you can't get the government involved in booze, apparently. They made a product called Alco Rub, cooling, refreshing for bathing and massage. If there's Anything wow. I've ever wanted to do, it's to drink, rub, and just just soak in alcohol. Is that? I mean, that that that's just basically rubbing alcohol, right? Like that's the shit that everyone's got in their closet, but we don't yeah. really know why we have it. Like it's there with the peroxide, <laughs> and and you kind of reach for it, and you don't know which is which. You just pour them both on your leg until it bubbles because it makes you feel better. Yep. yep. Uh, okay. You would you would be pleased to know that uh, the ad says everyday alcohol rub uses. Uh, you can use it for, you know, rubbing down, bathing, elderly people, it says, out athletes, babies, just elderly people, spritz elderly it on them, people. they'll go away. They'll go away. Babies, give them a little spritz, they'll be gone. I mean, we were giving babies heroin at that point, we didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Prickly heat, you can also take care of some prickly heat with Alco Rub, from oh. the U.S. Industrial Alcohol Company, that's largest fun. producer in the world. Oh, they were making stuff in St. Louis, too. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's good. That's, nice. that's good. They, they didn't bury us in molasses. We're still here. Yeah. No, takes more than that. Takes more than that. You've been listening to the Cock and Bull podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoy making it. You, you can uh, catch us every Wednesday, except for when you can't. We'd like to thank Dripless Pony Club for allowing us to use their song, There Were Buffalo on the Ark, off the album Cholera. Nathan, let's do a little fun. You plug my show, I plug your show. Sounds like a plan. Cross-plug time. Uh, so if you're not listening to Cooperative Effort, uh, you very well should be because it's awesome and you get to hear my announcer voice more than you should. Ooh. It's fun times. Ooh, yeah. Also, it's actually scripted and like well-written and edited and very, very, very well-produced. Uh, and it is it has taken a long time to come to fruition. And Spencer is very, very, very good at it. And you, you should listen to it because he deserves it because it is it is. A lot of work, a lot more work than this horseshit podcast. Uh, so, damn it, give it the give it the viewership it deserves. It is fun times. If you ever listen, if you ever watched Red vs. Blue and were like, "Man, I wish that didn't start sucking and getting really too far up its own ass," you should you should listen to this. It's an audio venture for the ears. It's great. Oh, that's that is the biggest goddamn compliment I could ever get. Um, 
If you are really into fantasy football or know a goddamn thing about football, I got a podcast for you. It's called Bad Fantasy Football, where Nathan and his buddy Alex, they kind of, they do a lot of hot takes and theory play and discuss the, what I assume is the meta of fantasy football. And let me tell you something. If I understood a goddamn thing about football, it would be even funnier. But as it is right now, it's still pretty goddamn good. I don't know a thing that's happening, but I do enjoy listening to it. Yeah, and that's about uh yeah, that's about all you can get from uh from outside of fantasy football perspective. Uh the season has started. So if you uh if you didn't listen to us before the season started, get on it. Uh all the preview stuff though is on the record, so if you want to go back and sift through our our calls and see whether we were right or not, you can. Spoiler alert, mm, yeah. we're right. We're right a lot. Uh They're usually right. Yeah. But we're going to we're going to keep producing content every week to help you win your league. So if you're playing fantasy football and you're just kind of like hanging along but you want to look like you know what you're doing, listen to us. Also, we get we get drunk and yell about stuff a lot. It's it's good times. It's good times. <laughs> and if and if you need any more testimony, they have achieved half the total amount of viewers of Cock and Bull virtually within 1 month compared to like almost a full year of Cock and Bull. So, if that's any testimony, a lot of people like it. I would highly recommend you listen to it. All right. Thank you a very, very much, and we'll catch you next week.